Welcome to Neutral Site. We are your college football podcast, and we're here to help you outwit those tailgate trash talkers you'll be debating Saturday mornings this fall. We do that by bringing you the overlooked stories and underused data across the best sport in the world. We're going to do a review of week one of college football. We're going to share some of our overlooked stories and underused data of the week. And we're going to take a preview of week two for college football. And Houston, we had quite a weekend in Fort Worth, didn't we? We did, yeah. So I cruised up there from San Antonio. and We spent basically the whole weekend, right, in Fort Worth. Uh, first thing we did was got up early Saturday, uh, took some notes on college football the week ahead, and then we cruised down to college game day. Well, we, we also finally recorded the long-promised <laughs> Metrics That Matter 2 episode. It <laughs> took me a while to, to get ready, but we got it. We got it. That's got out. It. Yeah. But, uh, but game day was down in Sundance Square in Fort Worth. Um, I know a lot of the locals there are familiar with that. It was a great turnout. Fort Worth did it right. Uh, numerous, numerous people showed up. There was folks from all over the country, it seemed like, shirts from every college you can imagine. Great setup there. It was a good, good time. It was, and we lucked out because we rolled up, um, I don't know, around 10 o'clock, maybe a little before 10, and we're hanging out at about 10.15, just the area that we ended up in. Some rumblings were going down yep. that the one and only Bo Jackson was going to be rolling right past us, and so we were getting pretty excited, weren't we? We were, we were like, oh, we're going to get to high-five him. We're going to see Bo. We're going to get to touch Bo. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah, so he was the guest picker on game day. I'm sure many of you all saw that. Uh, we planned on leaving out of there pretty early, Glenn, because we were like, "Hey, we got to get you know, we got to get to our next location, you know, before everybody else does, before the crowd gets out of here." But then, like you said, we heard those rumblings, and we're like, "It's Bo Jackson. We got to stick around, right?" Yeah, you're not going to leave Bo Jackson. Although we thought we were going to get the chance to, you know, high five him. He was going to walk yeah. on down, and I mean, instead he just cruised right through on a motorcycle for like two seconds, went right past us, which was still pretty awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, it was awesome. We spent about forty-five extra minutes probably than we planned yeah. on because we wanted to have the potential to high five Bo Jackson, but one of the greatest athletes uh, ever. And then yeah, oh, he he cruised right by us. Yeah, and I was texting family and friends. I was like, hey, keep an eye out. You might see us on game day. You might be there. Uh, they did not. Uh, <laughs> our, nobody saw us on game day, but that's because we were behind the camera as Bo rolled by. So I actually tweeted that out. Um, there's a picture uh, from the game day film of Bo rolling in and. And then our picture of us with the camera right in front of us, the exact camera. So we did not make game day, but it was still worth it. And that was not even the most exciting part of our day. That's right. Well, definitely not the exci- most exciting tweet, right? So it, it, it's a good tweet. Go check us out at Neutral Site Cast on Twitter. But the most exciting happening for us, at least on Twitter, was for those of you who got the opportunity to watch game day, Tim Cook, the one and only Tim Cook, CEO. Tim of, Apple. Yeah, Tim Apple, the CEO of Apple. Pretty big deal. He was on game day. He was kind of a guest uh, on there, and he gave a, a quick little segment, if you will. He's an Auburn fan. Go go figure, right? So neutral site, we uh, we decided, hey, uh, give him some respect on Twitter. So we, we tweeted at Tim Cook, and, and we appreciated that he was on there. We Gave him respect for showing up to game day. Kind of a cool thing. We didn't know he was an Auburn fan. I don't think many people did, so that was cool that he showed up for that. And lo and behold, one of the folks who liked that tweet was Tim Cook. Not not just one of the only – he was the second person <laughs> after the Comprehensivist podcast. Shout out to those guys. He was the second person to like our tweet. That's right. So, Glenn, do you think he was 
liking it from his jet? Do you think it was his intern liking it? Uh, either I, way, we'll take it. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, he is now our most uh, famous follower or, or fan, I should say, of the podcast. I think we can confidently say he's probably listened to them all by now. That's right. So, so you guys out there who are on the fence of subscribing to Neutral Side Podcast, eh, Tim Cook's a fan, so you might want to go ahead and hit subscribe. That's right. Now, that was all downhill from there. Uh, no, not really. We, uh, we had a great rest of the day. Uh, besides the TCU game uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff, which uh, we won, uh, we also spent a lot of the afternoon at the new Buff Bros, Buffalo Brothers location, downtown Fort Worth, uh, which I've been a fan of Buffalo Brothers since college, uh, since it opened up by TCU's campus. But that downtown location was sick. It was ridiculous, man. I, again, me being in San Antonio... I don't mean to offend any folks who live down here, but we don't have anything quite like that. I was amazed at how, I mean. TVs everywhere on the inside of the bar, on the outside of the bar. What's the over under on 200 TVs? I'm probably taking the over. It was was completely insane. Um, Yeah. So so if you're in the Fort Worth area, uh, I recommend going to Buffalo Brothers right there in downtown. It was a great great place to watch some college yep. football and obviously Pizza, good, wings cold beer oh, all yeah. of it really cold beer great prices too uh, just amazing they had that crazy movie theater type room that you could just go and watch these huge screens and enjoy all your college football you want great 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 place um recommend and thanks to them i feel like we uh, thanks to them i feel like we uh, we did our homework this weekend and all we did was just watch watch <laughs> games for, for the entire afternoon so that was great and it's a, it's a perfect segue into our review of week one, yeah, Houston. That's right. So the the big game in DFW, go ahead. Yeah, Oregon-Auburn, right? Everyone knows that's why game day was there. Oregon-Auburn was the game of the week. They played in uh, Jerry World, if you will. Um, great, great game. Auburn pulled it out 27-21. War Eagle for you, True Auburn freshman bow. True freshman bow. So they, they – you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but they pulled it off right at the end. Uh, they won by six. They were a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so they covered on that. Uh, it went well under the 56 over-under that Vegas set. You know, again, they scored 48 total points. Great, great game. Talk about that last play, Glenn. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, for most of the game, Oregon's leading in, in, in the first half, at least, looks like they, they've got it well in control. And then, yeah, to end the game, 26-yard uh, touchdown pass with nine seconds left. Uh, Bo with the throw to win the game. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and to tie it back to the game day, it was cool that they had Bo Jackson. You know, there was all these Bo Nose signs out there. But there was also some, so, some clever signs on Bo Nose, speaking of Bo Nix, right? So, obviously, he, he closed it out in highlight fashion for Auburn. You know, they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. He had some gutsy, gutsy runs and throws during the second half. Huge, huge win for a true freshman quarterback, right? Yeah, and, and big loss for the for Oregon and the Pac-12. Now, I, I do you know think there's some overreactions to it, yeah, um, but yeah. it, it, it is a tough loss for a game that looked like Oregon could run away with. Speaking of run away with, I mean, Auburn, you know, interesting numbers of the game. Auburn's 206 rushing yards to Oregon's 90. Um, pretty surprising how they just, they handled the game from there. And then I, I, you point out the stat. I think this was great. Four of Bo's 13 total completions were on the final drive. Yeah, he, he really came through. And for a true freshman to do that against a high quality and a really good team in Oregon, I mean, that's impressive. So who knows what his upside is, but he, he closed it out right. And 
Uh, I know we met some really, really great Auburn fans both at game day, or sorry, Oregon fans, I should say, at yeah. both game day and I'm at— I'm sure Auburn fans were great too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, we spoke more closely with some of the Oregon fans at, both at game day and at, at Buffalo Bros. They were great, uh, but, the, you know, they knew they were in for a tough game, so I know they're probably bummed out uh, over this coming week, but they'll still have a good season. Tough, tough game for them and a great game for college football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the another big game, and this was a lot of fun to watch, was the Boise Florida State game, which uh, again was moved to Tallahassee due to Hurricane Dorian. Which uh, just to anybody that maybe is out there, uh, you know, thinking of you, please stay safe. We're, we're hoping everything is uh, goes well out there. But uh, Boise State, who was down uh, for most of the game against Florida State, uh, came out and ended up winning thirty six thirty one, which uh, past Florida State was favored by six and a half, which was a jump. Uh, you mentioned also, Houston, you called that out. It, that jumped up right before the game started. It did, yeah. So I think it was trending around three and a half to four for the week leading up to the game, and then one or two days before it, it, it jumped up. So that was interesting, meaning a lot of a lot of people were putting a lot of money on Florida State, confident that they were going to win. But Boise State pulled it out. That was a hell of a game to watch. They you know, came back in that second half. They won the second half 17 to nothing. So Florida State, a lot of people were doubting them coming into the, into the year, including uh, myself a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, they started off strong in that first half. That Putting up a zero in the second half, that's tough. You're not going to win a yeah. lot of games like that, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm say, and I'll say beyond kind of like interesting numbers, what else, what stood out to me was the ESPN FPI, and we, we talk about this, was pre-season FPI or pre-this game. Their uh, FPI was, uh, which was the football power index, had them at 5.9, which was 42nd overall, and a chance of winning out of uh, just 1.9%. Uh, after the game, uh, they had an FPI of 8.8, which was 28th, and a 13.1%. Uh, chance of winning out yeah. for the season. So that was a pretty significant jump as well. And I, I think what I called out to me was interesting in terms of what stood out after this game. You and I talked about this uh, in the preview for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally kind of want to see Boise be competitive again and being one of the ones to come back. And this to me was kind of them delivering on that ask. And there were a few things that I uh, will link these in the show notes, but some, some different notes that came up on Twitter. It was kind of fun was, um, Brett McMurphy quoting the fact that the Mountain West nearly hits for the Power 5 cycle in one week with Wyoming over Missouri in the beating an SEC team, Nevada over Purdue, Boise State over Florida State, Hawaii over Arizona. So there were some great upsets. That's a great point. Uh, and again, Boise going back to having a history of it. I mean, the teams they've beaten since 2006, Oklahoma, Oregon three times, Virginia Tech, Georgia, Arizona State, Washington twice, Arizona, Virginia, Wazoo, Oregon State three times, and now Florida State. That's from Matt Brown yeah. as, um, on Twitter. And then um, I, I don't know what you thought of it, but I liked kind of uh, the Boise State football tweet as well that came out, kind of the confidence that came out in that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. And, and it's well-earned confidence, right? They've been doing this for, I, I mean, when was that Oklahoma game? It's been 10, ten years they've had a good run, right? So, Yep, Tostitos Bowl. Yeah, whatever, whatever Boise State's tweeting out or – we're talking about any they, place, yeah, any time. Any place, any that's time. what that's what they. That's right. And, and like we've talked about this offline, right? Glenn is like they're living up to that. We'd like to see some of these other teams who want to get to a level that competes with the you know the big boys from the SEC and the you know Big Ten and Big Twelve, all those other guys. If you want to get to that level, you got to go play those guys. And Boise State's doing it, and they're not only doing it, they're beating them. So 
respect to Boise State. Uh, we weren't sure. We might have touched on this in episode one. We weren't sure if they were going to be able to kind of uh, get back to the momentum they've had over the last 10 years. But with this win and the way they did it coming back in the second half, I mean, Florida State looked pretty good. They overcame mm-hmm. that. Hey, Boise State, back on the map, right? Uh, they might be back. <laughs> so another upset that came out uh, between Power Fives was the South Carolina-UNC game. Oh. Yeah, South Carolina was, I mean, up to an 11-point favorite, which I was kind of surprised with. But, you know, I've seen a lot of talk with them in the preseason that they're supposed to be pretty pretty good this year, and they still might be. Uh, but North Carolina pulled the game out 24-20. They had to make a little bit of a comeback as well. But interesting rivalry. We, we talked about this last week. We'd like to see these teams play a little more. We know it's tough for South Carolina because they play Clemson every year from the ACC. So it's tough to put uh, – UNC on the uh, schedule as well, but good, good game. Quarterbacks did not look good though. <laughs> <laughs> South Carolina's Jake Bentley, who, you know, had some hype coming in the year. He only threw for 142 yards through two picks, 29 QBR and uh, North Carolina's quarterback. He threw for a lot more yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions in a victory. However, he had a lower QBR. So, yeah, maybe we can do a metrics that matter on the QBR in the future. But I, how do, how yeah, is he that, rated definitely. lower than Jake Bentley? I don't get it. So yeah, yeah. so I, I mean, a quick question is also you know whose QBR are we looking back? If we're looking at if we're looking at ESPN's uh, total QBR or a kind of a more uh, frequently used um, other version of QBR, which is more on pass surface. Yeah. But I think uh, chances are this looks like because of the, it's so low is the ESPN QBR, which takes into account. Um, kind of more of what's going on for a quarterback, not just the passing. But I think the reason UNC still pulls it out is, I mean, you have those two second-half drives of 95-plus yards for touchdowns. Yeah. Even with poor QB, you know, that kind of just sustained drive of that distance. I mean, you control the ball for so long, and, and you close and get the touchdown. That's why they came out. Yeah, that's a big hit. So Muschamp, South Carolina coach, you know, is well-known for his defensive prowess. That's a big hit. On the South Carolina defense, you allow yeah. the two second half drives that long. That's that's big news. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if South Carolina can recover. They have a very very difficult schedule. I think they were kind of counting on this victory. So we'll see how they come back from it. Yeah, and on the other side, Mac Brown is back. He's back. Or Texas is back. Oh wait, no, this is UNC. That's right. No, Mac Brown's back. He's he's ready to go. Did you see uh, the tweets and Instagrams of him dancing in the locker room? <laughs> no, but I need to. Yeah, yeah. if you haven't, uh, go check that out. I'm sure you can find it in two seconds if you Google it. He was doing. He was getting funky in the locker room, which I like. It's cool because he's he's getting up there in age. He hasn't coached in what five years at this point. Cool to see him back. Good for him. Good for North Carolina. Big victory. I love it. Well, I'll find that video and we'll put it in the show notes as well. <laughs> All right. Um, so um, a much, honestly, kind of a disappointing game uh, for me, both as a as a Northwestern kind of fan growing up. But Northwestern Stanford, honestly, it was kind of a boring, dull game. I mean, just for example, with uh, Stanford winning 17-7, they covered as a six-point favorite. But the over-under of 47.5 kind of emphasizes the fact that they only scored 24 points. It was in my opinion, kind of a boring uh, game. What do you think? Yeah, I think I affectionately or jokingly called this the math bowl last week. So I, when when this was on the, the televisions at Buffalo Bros that, in Fort Worth, I, I felt like we were watching the math bowl. It was tough. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, both of the team's quarterbacks got hurt, and we can True. talk about that in a minute. But 
neither team had a lot of total yards. Obviously, 17 to 7, not a lot of points. I was surprised to see that. Boring, boring game. Stanford Stanford was the favorite, so they ended up pulling it out, but it wasn't it wasn't pretty to watch. No, no. Uh, now a lot more fun to watch in in my opinion was the Utah BYU game. Mm-hmm. Now that was you know that was that Thursday, right? That that was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Holy uh, Utah, War. The Holy War. That's right. The Holy War, which uh, started out at least in the first half as a fairly close game between BYU and Utah, but then Utah ran away with it, uh, one thirty to twelve. Uh, they covered, being six and a half point favorites. Uh, with an over-under of 48, it was still under. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a, gr- a fun game to watch, e- even if, even with Utah running away in the second half. It was. It, w- it, it was a good game, and they, they kind of asserted their dominance in the second half. They had 262 total rushing yards for the game, zero turnovers, which if you go back and listen to our second Metrics That Matter episode, you'll you'll realize why turnovers are important. They didn't they didn't turn the ball over, and they, they just ran it, so – Usually, when you do that, you're going to win. Uh, they like like Glenn mentioned, they pulled away in the second half. Still a fun game to watch. Utah, man, I, they might be the real deal. They they do. I mean, they have a couple of key things working for them, I think. And you saw it in display against uh, BYU was you know the running back Moses, who uh, is I know a workhorse is cliche, but I think it's a, a fair estimate. But not just any workhorse. He really uh, he likes the contact. Um, that came up time and time again. He, I think he had some of the most yards after contact uh, last season. So you combine that with a, a solid run game with a strong defense um, yeah. for the, the Utes, which I'm really interested to see how that plays out all year as they continue to play more of the Pac-12, particularly late in the season. Uh, I think Utah-Oregon could be a really uh, good game uh, come that point. Justin Herbert versus the Utah defense. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, to bring it back to the, the folks that we were talking at, you know, to at game day and uh, Buffalo Bros, the Oregon fans, like they also believe that same thing. So if they're out there in, in the weeds of the Pac-12 knowledge and they're saying the same thing, it's it's something to keep your eye on. Utah looks good. Um, so does Oregon. So It does. And a number of other games out there, but uh, just – you know, kind of blowouts with uh, Georgia Tech-Clemson. Clemson obviously running away with that. Uh, and then last night, uh, we did get a chance to watch the OU-Houston yep. game as well. Uh, all I'll say on that game is I can't, I don't know what to make of the defense, but I do know that Lincoln Riley might uh, be on the path for three straight Heisman candidate quarterback yeah. transfers. And, and just real quick on that, uh, we mentioned last week or two weeks ago that there's a weird story or stat, whatever you want to call it out there. Is what was it? The last three Oklahoma quarterbacks with the initials JH have won the Heisman, or was it a national it's, title? It's 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 uh, the last two JHs have won a national title. Okay. Four of Oklahoma's seven national titles have come with a quarterback with the JH initials. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Jalen Hurts, obviously JH, blew it up last night. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Start to the season, start to his, um, I guess, career. Career at OU, or OU, yeah, OU. final season, final you might season. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, going to the other side of the Red River rivalry, I want to share a little bit about some of the those overlooked stories and underused data. Uh, and this is not an overlooked story because it's getting a lot of buzz, but Texas uh, out there starting the week off mm-hmm. with uh, throwing some shade at LSU with their there's only what does it say it says there's only one dbu yeah. shirts that they're wearing to practice now that's going into the lsu matchup yeah and so I, 
at first I was kind of like, eh, what, what are they talking about? Because me, and if you've listened to the past episodes, you know kind of where I come from in, in, in my fandom, if you will. But there's a big rivalry between LSU and Florida on who's, who's the DBU, who's the real DBU, right? But Texas... They got a legitimate case, man. They have many, maybe, many maybe. draft picks. They have some Pro Bowls. It might be one or two guys carrying those stats for them in the NFL, but the, but they're up there. So it's, it's it's interesting that they're calling out LSU, who's obviously in the running for the you know true defensive right. back university. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this is you cool. know, this is Tom Herman's trying to get the team hyped up, obviously, and mm-hmm. getting them getting ready for it. But I think, yeah, looking at, I think where the story, this story is not overlooked. It, you know, obviously LSU fans, SEC fans are jumping on it. Um, what I think is maybe the overlooked portion of it is ESPN did their position U list earlier this year and had Texas at six, LSU was at two. Yeah. But in 2016, CBS did one of these as well. And to your point, they, that was all about NFL players, NFL draft picks, NFL pro bowlers, uh, first round selections. Uh, and CBS made a case that uh, you, that Texas is up there. So at some point, and we've I've touched on this prior, I want to I reevaluate the position you debate yeah. Uh, looking at some of that underused data because I do think that both those studies are are, are look overlooking some key stuff, some some underused data. So we'll come back to that. But yeah. I'm looking forward to just seeing how that plays into the heat going to the, the, the Texas LSU game this weekend. No, and and I like it, and I think it's good. And, but I also this could be a deeper conversation later. How do you, I guess, bring in the NFL stats and you know how well these guys do in the NFL versus like we're talking about college football teams here so who is better in college football right so it's a it's a tricky tricky thing so i'd like to maybe we can do, yeah See, like you I, said, do a deep dive I, I think i think you need the college you need the college view you need some college numbers and you need some nfl numbers absolutely because if it's you know position university you're in university to graduate well some of some of them are mm-hmm. and you have to graduate and see how you do in the real world so you have to take into account both nfl and and college but again yeah, that's that's an underused deep dive for another day. Yeah, no, it's a good story. So yeah, maybe we'll follow up on that and and do a deeper dive on uh, who is the real DBU or you know just the position rankings. I like it. I like it. So let's do that. Uh, so second story, Glenn, we're going to dive into is, and I know a lot of folks have seen this already, but it is still a very very interesting story. So new Virginia Tech offensive lineman Brock Hoffman has been denied immediate playing time. Basically, he yeah. has to red shirt uh, this year, and he's not going to be able to play until first game 2020. And the reason for that is he, he's a transfer from Coastal Carolina. He sought a medical hardship. So his his mother has been going through some uh, medical difficulties. Uh, she had some some fairly significant surgeries. So he, he, he wants to be closer to her and to of course, his of course. family. Right, so he transferred from Coastal Carolina up to Virginia Tech, and because of some very interesting and in and maybe weird NCAA rules, he's been denied immediate playing time. So this is I just I just can't tell. Yeah. I don't know. And people talk about this. they they described or there was some report around it having to do with the hundred mile radius. Mm-hmm. And the fact that his mom's condition has improved, which I, I hope it has and continues to, but from an NCAA decision standpoint, I just don't understand. Uh, and nobody see, really yeah, seems yeah, to yeah, at this point, tough. right? Where 
where players like Justin Field and Fields and Jalen Hurts are starting, but Brock Hoffman is not. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like a number of other players recently got approved or denied. I mean, TCU's like one of their quarterback transfer from Ohio State was denied and then approved. It's just hard to really keep track of it, and it's very it's a black box. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so the other thing is, like, he lives slightly outside the, the mileage radius that the NCAA allows. I, I, it's crazy, man. It, if this guy can't yeah. play, and he's transferring, like, no offense to Coastal Carolina, but he's transfer, transferring from Coastal Carolina to Virginia Tech. He's not going from Alabama to Oklahoma, right? So like, No, no. If he can't play, why can these other guys play just because they lost their starting spot? It's in my opinion, again, I'm not an expert on this matter. I'm just going to give you a hot take, if you will, Glenn. I know you like hot takes. Would, here it is. This yeah. is completely, <laughs> completely ridiculous. If you're going to allow Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and, you know, the Tennessee defensive lineman that I'm not thinking of his name right now, or I don't want to say it because I'm a Florida fan. Um, <laughs> if you're going to allow these guys to play immediately, but you're not going to allow this guy to, it, it this is a ridiculous, ridiculous system. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be looked at. It, it's crazy. It, you know, it needs an audit. It probably needs what it needs is an external audit. Yeah. Some some group outside of to help um, bring some perspective into it. I, I obviously don't have the answers. You and I obviously don't have the answers. No single uh, group does, but... You heard it. There's Houston's hot take for the episode. Uh, the self-appointed hot take. Houston does not approve. That's right. Uh, and you're not alone in that either. No, no, no. I'm, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not. Yeah. But in some good news, uh, Yeah. Nevada. Can we get some good news going? Yeah, let's talk about Nevada. So this is a pretty big story in college football right now. But Nevada kicker, true freshman, Brandon Tolton. So he hit a... 56-yard bomb game winner against Purdue. Nevada upsets Purdue. And that was just the beginning of his night, really. So after the game, locker room, celebration, those kind of things, the head coach is handing out the game ball. So the you know the kicker, Brandon Talton, gets not only gets the game ball, but he's also – Obviously. Yeah, obviously. I mean, he deserves that, right? Uh, but he also gets a full-ride scholarship for the year. And he, he came into this you know as a walk-on. Uh, so I love it, man. Pretty, pretty big deal. He had a great night. It's a cool story. The video is out there. We have tweeted it, so go check out uh, that video on Twitter. But it's it's, yeah, it's a I, really I, cool story. I love it. Now I, I'm not um, you know looking at it. Their initial starting kicker, um, which I'm, I'm not trying to take away or, or, or celebrate somebody you know losing out on a position. But I love that the coach. Um, wanted to give the chance to another player. Now, I don't know the rationale by it, but gave him a chance, and then the player delivers big time. I mean, the 56-yard game yard winner and the, what is it, a 35-yard extra pointer to, to tie it? Yeah, yeah. Um, game ball, scholarship, um, you know, can you get enough uh, scholarship videos for college football players? <laughs> no, I don't think it's possible. It's the so, best, man. It's the best. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I'm tearing up at some of these, but <laughs> you might be. Close. Like, yeah. It's getting close. Yeah, which... Speaking of Nevada, uh, during that game, which yes, we watched it, uh, they had in 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 my opinion, I never heard this before, never even realized it, but they did a flashback to the first overtime game for college football, which was Nevada versus Toledo in the nineteen ninety five Las Vegas Bowl. Yep. Um, so that was the first ever over because we're watching it, and then they show this video of the Nevada coach at the time explaining the overtime rules. To Toledo, and I'm sitting there thinking, why does he need to, or 
to the overtime rules for Nevada. And I'm yeah. thinking, why does he need to explain it? How do these guys, these college football players not know it? It's because they hadn't had it before. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, Toledo ended up winning that game 40-37. to They actually finished undefeated that year, 10-0-1. And I oh, thought that was Ties are the worst. Yeah, do you remember ties? When's the last time? I Maybe next podcast we should bring in, who was the last tie? Because I can't remember that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Little, uh, you, it's a little homework assignment. Yeah. We're going to walk away with that one. Okay, fine. Which, the last so, die. So that's a cool it's stat. the worst. But the even cooler stat that I thought uh, was, so there's been 22 rematches between teams who faced off in the regular season and then turned around and played in a bowl game. And the team that lost in the regular season has been 15-7 and seven in bowl games. Interesting. I thought that was interesting. I'd like to maybe – uh, dive into why we think not right now maybe <laughs> maybe we need to do some more research but why that is why these teams come back and win i know you know yeah, the, i mean this was ou you this is like ou texas last year and mm-hmm. the, i mean yeah the, one of the big ones is the the florida florida state game in you know when florida won their 96 national title they lost to florida state in the regular season they came back and beat them in the sugar bowl like but why does this happen i know the cliche is it's it's hard to beat the same team twice but I'd like to maybe take a take a, a, a deep dive into well, why this happens. But it's an interesting stat either way. It is. Yeah. I, I'd want to look at the lines on those two, like who was favored in yeah. both games, and see how and see how they actually went out too. So, yeah. okay, two homework assignments. What's going on here, Houston? I'm throwing <laughs> let's more do it. Homework assignment hey, on hey, college football weekend. Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So speaking of homework, we did our homework on previews for this coming week. So week one was a great, great week. Week two might be even better so let's face it we got two prime time games if you will and then we have a lot of other really really good games but let's start with AM at clemson what do we got here oh yeah well see i remember the clemson at AM last year uh incredible game uh it was the best game day experience i've ever uh, been to that was down there in college station was fortunate enough to be there uh clemson snuck out with uh, with a win there um, right now, Clemson's favored by uh, seventeen, somewhere between seventeen to nineteen, depending on where you look. And these are all um, all of our lines and FPI t- are as of today nine one, so they're favored by seventeen and nineteen. FPI has them winning at eighty seven point five percent, so it's not looking promising to be as close of a game as it was last year. Which, how can you blame it? You know, it's Clemson's incredible, and A and M's like we've talked about in one of our uh, earlier episodes has, has really been improving. But you're in Death Valley yeah. at Clemson. It's a tough game for AM. I know AM's been solid and they're looking good this year, but yeah, Clemson is they're on another tier, right? It's basically them, Alabama. You might be able to throw Georgia in there and then we'll see how Ohio State is, but uh, Clemson, man, looking looking tough. So I I just want to hope, I guess, that they can it's repeat, a good game. repeat yeah. last year's classic. It was such a good game that hopefully we'll see something similar to that. Well, to AM's credit, this is Clemson's lowest yeah. FPI score for any game this year at 87.5%. Second close it, clo- closest is <laughs> yeah. is at South Carolina, South right? 88.7. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a good look for the ACC, by the way. If you're an ACC <laughs> that, fan out that there. The like they're just Aggies are, yeah. yeah. The the well two, the two S, the two hardest games for them according to ESPN FBI are both SEC teams. That's that's brutal for the ACC, but so Texas, man, they got a they got a tough uh, week of college football within the state because the second game. Do, do you mean? I'm sorry. Do you mean DBU? 
<laughs> well, no, I'm just talking about the state of Texas right now. Uh, so A&M, tough, tough game. And the other Texas team, University of Texas, maybe DBU. They're, they're in the running. <laughs> um, they got LSU coming to town. Tough, tough game there. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so LSU coming in uh, up, favored by three or four, with uh, the ESPN FPI at 80%, which uh, I, I think we both found that a little surprising oh, yeah. how high the, the FPI was. Yeah, the F- with the FPI that high and that spread so close. In Austin. In Austin. Uh, keep keep an eye on that. might be something you want to think about. Yeah, and game day is there again. Uh, I don't know that we're going to make it to this one, Houston, <laughs> which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game, not just for uh, the the game itself, and it should be a, a good competition, uh, but also it's got some good history, uh, or it, it it doesn't have a lot of history, but it has uh, some good ones from yeah. their first game in 1960, I think it was, and then their last one being the 2002 Cotton Bowl, uh, where UT won 35-20. Yeah, this should be, they haven't played a lot in the past, but to me, this feels like a somewhat natural rivalry like so if you live in texas or texas louisiana Louisiana, yeah you know how close these states are i feel like maybe these teams should play a little more Uh, so texas i know you're still going over the fact that maybe you should play at a&m every year but if you're not going to do that maybe lsu might be a second option it it, it seems like a natural rivalry it'll be fun well this is the this is the second louisiana team for Texas to play this year, yeah, that's true. After beating after beating Louisiana Louisiana Tech, but this should be a real uh, test <laughs> of test. Uh, their talent. So we'll see we'll see how they do this this weekend. Yeah. So big thing to keep an eye on. I, I'm interested in so who it depends on who you talk to, but Texas uh, they're ranked pretty high in some of the preseason polls. FPI doesn't have them ranked that high, so I'm very very interested to see how that plays out. Um, you know, we'll see. LSU obviously is a basically con- consensus top five at this point, right? So we'll see. Yeah. All right. So the next game we want to talk about is Stanford at USC. A little the shine of this game maybe has been uh, taken back by the quarterback injuries from. Yeah, both teams. that was that was disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very unfortunate. But. You know, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, this is a classic rivalry at this point. They've been, they've both been good for many years. They play every year. I, you know, whoever wins this game could 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 move on to be the Pac-12 champions. USC's a three and a half point favorite. Uh, it should be an interesting game, right? You're gonna watch it. This is a late night Pac-12 game. You gonna watch it, Glenn? Uh, I want I want to say yes to sound official, but. Uh... Probably not. <laughs> I will be tracking because this kind of goes back to what we talked about. Uh, I think it was in episode two when we talked about teams that matter to their conference. But USC is is important for uh, the Pac-12, and Stanford's coming in one and zero, one and zero after beating a, a Big Ten school. Mm-hmm. And so it is a good matchup to your point because Stanford uh, could have a good year. Again, it's unfortunate, particularly because USC's quarterback uh, JT Daniels was looking uh, really promising. Uh, and then for him to to be out for the season for the ACL, you, you feel for him, um, and and for the team, and again for the Pac-12 as a whole because they are important the, as a team, and uh, this matchup as a result of that is important for both teams. So who needs this win more? Is it USC just based on history, or is it Stanford because you know they're trying to overtake USC as the Pac-12 kind of 
You know. Now, it, it feels more like every game that goes by that USC doesn't win, each next game becomes more important for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's going to be them for, for a little while here. Yeah, agreed. I, I agree, yeah. USC needs it, right? Uh, you know, another interesting game this week is, you know, I know the line doesn't say so, um, but Army at Michigan. Michigan's favored by 24. FPI gives them a 96.2% probability of winning. I think it might be a little closer and more interesting than that. What do you think? I hope so, and and maybe this is just because we're Jeff Monken fans, yeah. and and you know watching the military academy run the triple option yep. is fun, especially the year they had. Um, how good is Army? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it right now it looks like there may be a very interesting uh, race for the Commanders Cup between them, Navy, and Air Force. But this is a key kind of statement game for them and probably a hype game for them right if they can come out of a if they can steal a win or or maybe for that matter keep it very close it can be a very positive note for them to ride on through the rest of the year so on that note does michigan need to beat them by 40 points or are they okay with a 35 you know 28 victory or something like that does michigan need this in every, I think early this early in the season, you yeah. just want to win. Yeah. You just you just need to win, just win, baby. Right? <laughs> the the margin doesn't matter as much till the end of the year. But yeah, you know, if you're Michigan, um, still trying to make a statement uh, about who they are in the Big Ten, it it certainly does matter. So, what are you looking at stories storylines wise? Well, I want to see how Michigan handles handles the running attack. Right? They're not facing this uh, system, this offensive system, very often. I. I I wish I would have looked at their who their next game is, but are they completely preparing for Army the way they should? Are they practicing to handle that that run game? I don't know. So that's something that the teams that face Army, Navy, Air Force, that's something they face every yeah. week. Like maybe they overlook them. They don't have time to completely prepare for that run. So it's 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 basically going to be the Army run. How does Michigan handle it? We'll see. Okay, and I've got a new hot take for you, Houston. <laughs> All right. Over under the number of fourth down conversions that Army converts, and the number is two and a half over and under. Oh, I'm taking the I'm taking the over on that because taking the over. Yeah, they're okay. gonna. Here's my reasoning, real quick: is they're gonna try to beat Michigan, uh, and they're gonna have a lot of opportunities on fourth downs. So I I think they're just based on number of attempts. I think they're gonna top that number. Uh, so I'll take the over. I love it. I love it. I love the bold takes. We'll be tracking that then. <laughs> and that was I, for the listeners out there. I don't. I don't know he's going to listen to this. So if I if I lose, I lose. It's a complete hot take. I'm going over still. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So I'm going to be a little selfish on this. We'll, we'll do this real quick. UCF is playing at Florida Atlantic. UCF favored by seven, eighty three point one percent. Uh, chance to win as far as the FBI is concerned. I thought this was an interesting game. I was surprised that UCF's only a touchdown favorite, basically. Uh, could could be a fun game, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, especially for UCF being an independent, you got to win all your games, and you want to you win them in strong fashion. So they need to go in against Lane Kiffin, who um, – you know, has been is at FAU and and really try to make a clean statement. I think is the right way to think about it. They don't need to make a power statement. They need to make a clean statement. Look yeah. like they control it from start to finish. Yeah, they got to cover right. They got to beat. They got to beat FIU. Oh, definitely. By, you know, seventeen or twenty points or something like that. But Ab- absolutely. Yeah. 
And then we got B- BYU at Tennessee. Tennessee is coming off a terrible loss. Uh, however, they're still favored. They're minus three and a half. FPI's got them at a, basically a 73% chance to win, which has dropped quite a bit after that week one loss. Uh, you know, how do they respond to that loss? You know, they've dropped quite a bit, both FPI and, you know, any kind of poll you look at. So that should be an interesting game. I mean, both I mean, both teams coming off kind of rough losses. I mean, Tennessee's loss was, was I'm sorry, it was worse. It was just worse than BYU's to Utah, right? Oh, way worse. Absolutely. Yeah. But both, you know, both are hard things. things. So you have two teams that are probably coming in a little bit angry. Uh, I guess the question is, who's going to be angrier? Yes, based on the FPI as well on the line, it's probably Tennessee. Um, but you never know. We'll see how it goes. Tennessee, I mean, again, you you like to ask the question, who needs this win more? Tennessee has to win in a reasonable win. fashion. Uh, I mean, you like you couldn't have the Georgia State game and then come in and squeak by BYU at home. Tennessee needs to really blow them out. They got to win, yeah. And I've seen... You know, be, me being an SEC fan, like I've seen so many, you know, negative stories about Tennessee. It, it's it's bad. It's not looking good. They got to pull this out, um, especially like BYU's a legitimate school they're playing, right? Legitimate team. They they got to pull this out. So totally, yeah. So speaking of needs to pull out, Oregon, come on, they're coming off a loss and they're going up against a team in Nevada who's coming off a huge win as we just talked about early in the podcast, Oregon's favored by 23 and a half. They're an FPI probability rating of 95.1%. They have to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think there's a lot for Oregon to be concerned about, but of course that's what you say to about a team. Then that goes in <laughs> and, that and loses it. What about that right. Nevada kicker? I, <laughs> you know, if he could play every position, right. You know, if he wins himself another game ball, yeah. uh, no, they, uh, but the truth is, Nevada upset Purdue, and Purdue, you know, sure has talent with Rondell Moore, and, and had a little hype coming into the season because of that. But Oregon is on an is on a, an elite level. I, I know Auburn came in and up and really pulled out that win, um, but Oregon's a really good team. People are overreact reacting that the Pac-12 is done, Oregon's done. But the truth is, if Oregon's only loss this season is Auburn on a neutral. Field, mm-hmm. that's a playoff team neutral right there. Site. Especially if they come in on a, in a neutral site, <laughs> hashtag neutral site. If they come in and you know come into this game and, and this that Auburn one's the only one they lost, Oregon's going to be just fine. So you still have Justin Herbert, uh, who's also getting a lot of heat, but he's still incredibly talented. Auburn's a great defense, uh, re, you know, relative speaking to somebody like Nevada. And so I'm not. I don't think Oregon has much to worry about. What do you think? No, I, I don't think so either. It's still interesting though because. There's there's always a debate about momentum and confidence and those kind of things and how much those play into sports or the results of sports. So Nevada's got a lot of confidence right now, right? They, just, they do. They just yeah. pulled off an upset, you know, and one of their biggest upsets in their in their history. So we'll see how that plays into it. At the same time, and, Oregon is looking to come back and destroy somebody. So, you know. It could go either way. I'd probably go with with Oregon on this one, but who knows? Yeah, I think that's probably a good call. And I'll, I'll just say, like, this this first week reminded me of anything. I love upsets when it's not my team. I love, you know, it's what makes sports fun. It's what yes. makes college football fun. So if this were an upset, it would probably be a lot of fun to watch. And then maybe I can get my new hashtag goal accomplished. <laughs> my goal this past after this past weekend 
kept trying to get hashtag upset alert trending on Twitter. I thought there was a good shot of it, but um, didn't seem like everybody else jumped aboard the train with me there. So well, maybe I'll get that chance to try it again this weekend. Well, there'll be some more opportunity, I think. Yeah, this week. So there's some uh, better games this weekend. There's, you know, there's some definitely there's some opportunities for for upset. So yeah, hashtag you, upset alert. Go go follow it. I think I think the rule is though that you can't just hashtag upset alert anybody that beats a line. It's got to be like you know oh, kind of that yeah. Georgia State Tennessee yeah. level upset. So yeah, Georgia State beating Tennessee. All right. So if Nevada is hanging in there with Oregon in the fourth quarter, if it's you know Oregon thirty one, Nevada twenty eight, that I think that counts. Uh, so yeah, there's some opportunity. Let's get be- hashtag upset alert trending. We're gonna get it. <laughs> we're gonna make it happen. Uh, let's go FAU. You need to hang in there. Lane, hey, shout out to Lane Kiffin. I'm on the lane train. FAU needs to hang in there with UCF. If they're within, you know, you know, three points in the fourth quarter, you know, Hashtag upset, upset alert. alert. Yeah, yeah, let's go. All right, Glenn, we'll see how week two goes. All right. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Neutral Site. We appreciate being your college football podcast. And whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or even Google Podcast, make sure you go in there subscribe, and better yet, leave us a review. We want your feedback. Uh, Don't forget to check out our show notes at NeutralSitePodcast.com. That site also has links to all of our social media accounts, but you can follow us, hit us up on Twitter at NeutralSiteCast. On Instagram, we're at NeutralSite. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you can use these overlooked stories and underused data at the tailgate this weekend. 